0: Hey, what's up y'all? My name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm the host of Allergic to Small Talk. I'm an expat living in the UK. I own two businesses, have my executive MBA from Pepperdine University, and I come riding dirty, having fallen from the polished corporate world. Allergic to Small Talk is a show about how to grow your small business through networking, plus the tools and resources needed to develop your foundation as a business owner. If you're allergic to small talk, get ready for big conversations That are delivered to you in bite sized chunks that you can implement right away to transform the way you view, operate, and grow your business. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. One of the key ingredients to building a network that you love is to give and contribute. But how do you do this without compromising your sanity? yet still build a community that you love. Welcome back to Allergic to Small Talk. You can catch me here every week, dropping the latest tips and tools to grow your network and to grow your small business. All right, y'all, let's get into it. In this episode, I want to talk to you about what it means to be a giver in the networking world because some of the best networking groups out there will tell you to give but they don't exactly tell you all the ways you can do that without losing your mind and losing your time. So I've invited an awesome guest on the show today, and his name is EA Solkovitz, and he's the founder of Givers University, where he teaches business owners to be givers and not takers. EA, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. And I have to say, I love the name of your podcast, You know, Allergic to Small Talk, because I just want to say that your podcast is nothing to sneeze at. What? That's an allergic joke. Okay. Anyway, so, the, uh, so, so, so thank you for having me on your show. Enjoy being here.
0: I love it. So I really love this concept that you found, which was the Givers University. And you help people distinguish between a giver's community and a taker's community. But before we dive into that, I want to know about all the juicy bits that make up EA and how did you begin your journey and ultimately find Giver's University? Like, How did that play into your career and how does it play into your life so far?
1: I appreciate the opportunity to answer that. I live in Michigan now, but I was born and raised in the Chicagoland area and my father was a milkman. And back then, milk came in glass gallons. They probably switched to plastic because of how many I broke helping my father on his milkman route But when I was five years old. And I remember watching him get up at three in the morning and he'd go over to the dairy because, you know, back then only the 18 wheelers were refrigerated. So the delivery trucks that my father had his own delivery truck, they were all like one man operations. He had to go chop up ice. So at three in the morning, he'd go, and there was these six-foot-high blocks of ice. And he would have an ice pick and just go through and cut these things up and put the ice on top of the milk. And that's how I kept it cold while he was delivering it all day. And so here I am, you know, a five-year-old helping my father and very humble, nothing unusual about the background, you know, probably one notch under middle class. And then at 16 years old, I took my first step towards becoming a success, and I became a janitor. Now, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? <laughs> anyway, So here I was at 16 years old, and I had two extraordinary events happen during that time, Michelle. One was at 16, I was able to be bonded, which means insured. So that if my buffer, when I was cleaning the place, hit a piece of equipment, insurance company to pay for it, Right. That also allowed me to be in a very expensive places and expensive homes. Every Wednesday, I cleaned the home of a lady who, when I say her name, won't mean anything until I make the movie reference. And her name is June Martino, and I was in, cleaned every Wednesday, this million-dollar mansion. She had a full-time maid, full-time bowler, and I was 16 at the time, you know, in the Rolls-Royce in the garage. I mean, this is the incredible Never Neverland, you know, kind of thing for me, <laughs> being a son of a milkman and, you know, basically burnt-out janitor thinking the fun time I have every day is getting free songs on a jukebox, cleaning a bowling <laughs> alley at 2 in the morning. So I'm in this lady's house, June Martino, who she is. There was a movie out a few years back. It'll probably be on for a number of years. It's actually quite a good view. It's called The Founder. It's about McDonald's and Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. And I want to share with you that it actually is quite a good movie. And in the beginning, it says based on a true story. That's true. It's based on a true story, but it's not the true story. Hollywood spin all over the place and they paint Ray in a way he was not that way in real life. The reason I know this is I grew up with the McDonald's phenomenon. I lived in Oak Brook, where the world headquarters of McDonald's was. So during my lifetime, I witnessed this whole thing. During the movie, and if you haven't seen the movie, when you do see it, you'll see Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc talks to a lady outside his office all the time. He says, June this, June this. She's in the whole movie. That's June Martino. That's the lady whose house (laughs) I cleaned every Wednesday, right? So when I met her, she already had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's, and McDonald's is already a phenomenon, right? So Here I am, and I think, man, she was already an icon. Everyone in the area knew who June Martino was, you know, and and I lived in that area where Oakbrook, Illinois, which is, you know, that's not the world headquarters of McDonald's anymore, but it was for decades and decades. And so here I am in this lady's house, and she told me one day when I asked her about the whole McDonald's story, and she not only shared the whole story with me in detail, but also how Ray had an influence on her life as a mentor and how he influenced her life in so many different ways. And I remember after she told me that, I thought to myself, man, if I could just find a Ray Crack.
0: As many of you know, our team at Cut Class is passionate about helping people transition from their nine to five to building a business that they love. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. I remember climbing the corporate ladder, getting my executive MBA, and making great money and driving a fancy car. But... At the end of the day, I was frustrated and miserable because I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing to hit success. It wasn't until I completely unplugged from what the world always told me would make me happy that I was able to find my genius zone and turn it into a business. I now have the freedom around time and finances that I've always wanted. So if you're in a similar situation where you're in a nine-to-five that's frustrating and unfulfilling and you're thinking about starting a business so you can control your time and finances, then let's hop on a call and let's talk about creating your new future. A link to book a call will be in the show notes.
1: You know, if I could find someone that could put me under their wing and teach me all the things because I don't know what I don't know The only thing as I know is whatever it is, I don't know it. I know I'm cleaning this lady's house. I'm a son of a milkman, burnt out janitor already at 16. And here's this woman living this like a storybook kind of life with all these things, you know. And I remember just sort of throwing it out there. You know, if I could, where would I find my Ray Kroc? How would I find, you know, where is that person? And it wasn't about two months later, I got a phone call at the office. And gentleman was in from Michigan. And he was opening a diamond store and my boss sent me over to show him some carpeting and that man offered me a job. That man became my mentor. He became the father I never had, even though I had a father. And I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. (laughs) Truly a puritanical genius. I say this in a kind way, but in my lifetime, you know, 40 years plus in business, I can share with you that I've met many educated idiots. They have all the book knowledge and they can spew it all back you, but none of them have the Rochelle kind of experience that you do of this is how I know how because I've done it. Because when you've done it and you're coaching people or you're teaching people or mentoring, that's way different than spewing book information back at them or they attended some course and now they're all of a sudden, you know, now I am one, right? Because when you've done it, as you well know, you bring with you all the things that didn't work. And there's where the real gold nuggets are. So I met this gentleman, Sam Robbins was his name, and to share a quick story on how incredible he really was, he told me about what it was like to grow up in the Great Depression. And the story has so many interesting things folded in on the importance of being able to build a really good network and knowing how to do that. And not for a marketing standpoint per se, but the importance of it and surrounding ourselves with the right people. So he told me during the Depression, which he lived through, he said, people were jumping off of buildings committing suicide because they lost their fortunes. He said there was multi-mile long soup kitchen lines where people were waiting multi-miles, more than one mile, just to get a bowl of soup. He said there was no food. There was no money. He said it was really desperate times. And he said for some of his meals, they actually ate cardboard. So I share with all your listeners, what's your excuse? Because whatever it is, (laughs) I'm not buying. I know. I met the people that have made it out of that, right? So he told me what happened next. He was walking around one day and he walked by the store and there was just some man standing in the back of it. So he went in to say hi. And I mean, just started something to do because no one was working. There was no hiring going on. And it turns out the guy was the owner of this store. It was a sewing machine store filled with sewing machines, collecting dust. There was no one walking in and out. So my mentor was talking with him and he was a teen at the time. And he said, Yeah, I had to let all my employees go because there's no customers. He said, no one's buying sewing machines. These things are all bought and paid for and they're just collecting dust. People need food. They're not buying sewing machines, right? And my mentor had this flash in his mind. And he said, well, how about if I helped you sell some of these? And the guy said, what do you have in mind? He said, well, how about, he said, people can't afford to buy a whole sewing machine. He says, how about if we sell them on payments? And we'll split the payments. And he said, and I'll guarantee the sewing machines. And the guy says, man, go for it. These things are paid for collecting dust. Whatever you do, go do it. So the next thing my mentor did, which was what the extraordinary part, you want to talk about networking. He just simply put together a flyer that said, women to work from home. And no one was hiring during that time. And he told me, he actually never even totally caught up with the response. It was so great. Wow! And he, and, and what he did was build this huge network. It turned out that it went into multi-states really fast. And he helped women work from their home. Had them buy the sewing machine on payments, gave them the patterns to sew from, gave them the cloth, the material, guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them, thus guaranteeing their income so that they could not only make the payments on the sewing machine, but then add an actual income for food that everyone needed. Then the clothing that he bought, he sold to stores as high-quality, deep-discounted, handmade clothing that the store owners then could sell to customers who all needed deep-discounted clothing that was high-quality, handmade. In 18 months, Rochelle, people are jumping off of buildings, multi-mile-long soup kitchen lines. He earned $1 million. Wow. Now, and he told me what he did was he simply looked at everyone's problem and solved it. He said he went to, he first he looked at the sewing machine, guy, and he had to move these sewing machines. So if you're, how would I do that? And then he he he, he realized no one had, you know, money and needed to earn an income. So he built this huge network of women working from home in this community, if you really will, we're all working together. Uh, and then, of course, he solved the problem for the stores and for the customers. So while everyone, you know, while people are jumping off of buildings because they lost their fortune, here in a million, And that was in depression dollars, which today is wow. probably easily $15, $20 million. Dollars. Yeah. So at 19 years old, I asked this man, I said, will you teach me everything, Sam? Teach me it all. I don't hold back. I want to know all of it. And he said, okay, I will. I'll teach you. But I want one thing from you. When the time is right and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you can everything I've taught you. So at 19 years old, Rochelle, I made a vow. I made an oath and a commitment that today has become Giver's University. And we are teaching people the things he taught me about how do you build a giver community around you and how to identify and avoid and distance yourself from the taker communities. And he was truly a a puritanical genius in that way. And I was very blessed to have him in my life for so many years as my mentor. I know a lot of what you do is, you know, teaching people how to properly network. If I could share with you some of the systems he shared with me,
0: yeah, that would be great. That I would love to dive into. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that story and that journey. It's definitely beautiful to find a mentor that can really help propel you into that big vision that you have had for your life. And I think for the listeners that are listening out there, at the start of this second season, I had a wonderful woman on um, the show and her name is Dr. Ruth Gautien. And she talked about the importance of needing a team of mentors because sometimes we have this big goal that we have in our lives, but sometimes we just are our own worst enemy or we can't see how to get there, or we just don't have the experience yet. And you had the courage to ask somebody, show me the way somebody that's already walked the path that you hoped to walk one day. So that's super cool.
1: I appreciate that. And, and, you know, people always talk about having a superpower and that kind of thing. And I can share with you, Rochelle, I only had one superpower where everyone is always so interested in being the smartest person in the room and preeminence and all those kinds of things. And my mentor taught me, he said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. He said, get out of that room. There's nothing for you to learn there. He said, so He shared with me, and it became my superpower, the ability to do the following, to simply say, I don't know anything about that. Could you teach me about that? I'd love to learn. Just the ability to say, I don't know about that, and I'd love to learn. Will you learn? And I was blessed to be able to meet some really smart people, people way smarter than me. And all I did was just listen. And I thought, well, you know, I can be a conduit. And the reason why is because I believe I can do it. (laughs) anyway so yeah so so uh, so, (laughs) talking about communities for a moment i ask your listeners see if they've had this happen you get asked join our community we're all the like mind come join us and as soon as you join six hours later they're selling you everything under the sun right that's not a community that's a customer hit list And there's so many instances, and I identify those as taker communities because they're designed specifically to take something from you, whether it's your money or your time or whatever it happens to be. And you usually find out pretty doggone quick, right? And and I call it and identify these as taker communities. They're not a community, really. He shared with me that the importance of having and how to build a giver community, how important that was. So to identify the taker community and giver community, The taker communities today, I call them really customer hit lists. And that means, you know, if I'm interested in your product, then I'll stay on your list. But don't say it's a community when it's a prospect list, right? (laughs) Don't bait and switch. You know, that's bait and switching. You know, they're just telling you one thing, but to get you in and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And I've been dubbed a few times already. I just disassociate myself with them. So to go, first of all, to identify the difference between givers and takers that helps us with the community. At Givers University, we simply teach a skill. And it is a skill that's not being taught anywhere. I've done, I don't know, almost 180 interviews since last April. And I can share with you that not one host has told me I know someone else that's teaching the same thing or something similar. And I use that as this must be the right time my mentor told me that I would know. But here's the thing first of all, I say to your listeners, we love everybody. I say it again emphatically we love everybody. And we teach people a skill of how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And by doing that separation, we teach people don't listen to what they're saying. Watch what they do when you're discerning givers and takers. Look at their deeds. Watch what they're doing. And as we say in Givers University, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So in other words, the things we do will, it will show what kind of person we are and what we no matter what we say. So we actually teach people by virtue of checklists. I mean, genuine checklists, granular, very granular. This is what you look for. Here's the deeds. Watch them doing these things. And when you watch, we have one that's called the 25 deeds. Here's 25 deeds. When you see them doing these things, you may want to now discern and bring them closer into your life, your giver community. Or when you see them doing these 25 deeds or things, you may want to begin respectfully, not rude or nasty, respectfully distance yourself from them because if you bring them closer, they're going to make you collateral damage. And you're going to be stopping out fires, not of your making, and your stress level is going to go up every time you even hear their name. And it would be just much easier to be respectfully distanced from them. So when we say giver, we're not, we're not labeling a person. We don't label people. Mm-hmm. We're identifying giver deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person. You're a taker. You know, one of the old movies where they used to point at him and go, invasion of the body snatchers, right? So like it's not like that where we point at him, you're a taker. You know? It's not that. We're identifying taker deeds. We're identifying the deeds of those people, right? And we teach people discern. Here's the checklist. Go and you look, look on one side and you make a check mark. I see them doing this, this, this. Look on the other side. This is it. At the bottom, you're totally, and you're already down the path of whether you want to have them closer or should not. So in one word, we teach, simply put, discernment. We teach people to discern in their relationship. So the word community has changed a little bit as from what I've seen. You know, years ago, The word D-I-E-T, diet, if I went to a meeting with a couple of people, do you know that meeting was actually called a diet? I went to a diet, right? And then later on, if I got a stipend or a regular allowance on a consistent basis, that allowance or stipend was called a diet. I got a regular diet, right? Then in my lifetime, diet meant the way you ate every day. It was your eating habits every day. Now you say diet, it means weight loss, right? Same word, spelled the same way, right? (laughs) The word community has transformed in that same way, where before it meant one thing, and now it means something a little bit different. At Giver's University, we use the word Junto, J-U-N-T-O, interchangeable with the word community. A Junto, by definition, is a group that meets together for a common interest or purpose. That's a Junto. So when we say Giver Community, I also use the word Giver Junto because they supplant each other for sure. So to talk a little bit about Junto and then get into the seven steps my mentor taught me on how to properly build that Junto around you. Junto is a word first used in the 1600s, wasn't used too much, Spanish word, 1700s, a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Franklin picked it up. Mm. And in 1727, Benjamin Franklin formed a group of 12 friends around him. They met every Friday at the same time for about two hours, and he called it the Mutual Improvement Club. Later on, Benjamin Franklin called that group his Junto, and later on again, he called that group the Leather Apron Club. Now, what's interesting about that group, they talked about politics and business and social life and all aspects of life and ethics, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting is that, you know, our very Declaration of Independence in the United States could arguably be traced back to the conversations Ben Franklin had it as Junto, so no one can tell me that a group of twelve people working together in a spirit of harmony cannot be very impactful. <laughs> so we teach three different kinds of Juntos to hit them real quick. The next part I'm going to sort of bullet through real quick because your listeners, fortunately, are able to listen to this a few times and they should and take notes. I'm just going to hit it real quick just so it's out there and they get it, and and your listeners are able to benefit by this. We teach three different kinds of Juntos, but there's greater Junto can be any size number of people. A good example of a greater Junto would be maybe the Salvation Army, BFW, Lions Club, right? Insider Junto, the giver's insider Junto is two to 12 members, more close-knit, more intimate, sharing confidentialities, helping each other much more on an individual basis. Good example, Ben Franklin's Leather Apron Club. Then there's a millionaire's Junto, which is two to 12 vetted millionaires meeting together on a regular basis. I had one with my mentor, right? Another one in 1915, Henry Ford formed a millionaire's Junto wow. of him, Thomas Edison, Harvey Firestone from Firestone Tires, and John Burroughs, who was a, a writer and a poet. Also interesting, was he was a federal bank examiner, so he must have been the money guy. But anyway, that was actually a millionaire Junto. And there's seven steps in forming a giver's Junto. Now, we call it a giver's Junto. These seven steps can be used for any group that wants to be formed, there's an excellent book out. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Many of your listeners called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yep. Napoleon Hill talks about the mastermind, right? Mm-hmm, yes. And when he started talking about it, it was, it was very novel. It was a new idea. He talks about it and says what it is. But Napoleon does not say, how do you do it? right? right. And that's where we teach people. This is how you form step by step. Here's the seven steps in forming your own giver juto that you must go through. And it spells the word discern. It's an acronym, D-I-S-C-E-R-N. Each letter has a different meaning for each of the seven steps.
0: So if you're listening out there, I hope you guys are, you know, EA is dropping some really great knowledge here. And I hope that you have your pen and paper or you have your note section out on your phone and get ready for these seven steps as they're coming at you. All right, let's dive into them.
1: Awesome. And also share this podcast with others who you may want to have as a part of a Junto with you because it's going to set that forth. Right. So D. D stands for decide. You have to decide. Right. Now, here's the question. Which people? How do you decide which ones you want to have around you? Right. So it was like a few interviews back. This guy said, wow, there's really great stuff. I read this book and this book said I should have five good people around me. And I said, you're right. You should. Question. Which five? And also, he stared back at me with this blank look on his face. I said, Do you see my point? No one's teaching us which five, right? So, we actually have a checklist called the 25 Do's. We give it away for free. We want people to download it, print it off, use it in their life. This will help them discern in their business, social, and family relationships across the board because these are the things you should be watching for and watching them do, right? Not hearing what they're saying because they know how to tickle your ears. Watch what they're doing because there's the truth, right? So the second I, second letter I, is invite, All right. How do you invite these people? What do you say, right? The S is for seed. You want to explain to them, and this is really critical, the expectational agreements up front to be a part of the group. This is a prequalifier, and it's a non-starter if they don't agree. And you simply say, these are the things that we all in our group, assuming it's 2 to 12 for sake of dialogue, here's the things that we us twelve, us ten, us eight, whatever, we all hold ourselves mutually accountable to the following things. If this doesn't work for you, that's great. We love you. It's just not a good fit. But for us, we all hold ourselves accountable for these things. These expectational agreements, of which should be three to three to six agreements, that everyone holds themselves accountable. This is an important part of the glue of the group. I've seen so many masterminds. I know you have Rochelle too where You know, they all get together and, you know, in a couple months later, they just sort of dissipate. They just sort right. of fall apart, you know, and, you know? Right. And so we were curious on that and said, OK, well, why is that? Why? I mean, they get together for a good reason, but why do they dissipate? What's the reason? Why is there no glue, you know, long term? The expectational agreements are a critical part of that. Like with Givers University, we have we call the three pillars and one intention. Three pillars. One, the Givers University, our credo, give to be great, that you can be great by giving. Not by taking, right? Our pledge to help every Giver's Junto member lead a life of predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. And then third is our labor of love. Every Junto should have and be a part of something bigger than the group and bigger than themselves that helps on a huge worldwide scale. We're actually launching something in the fall, which is extraordinary. We have actually figured out with specificity how to end hunger one zip code at a time. And we are literally going to be doing launching that in the fall. That's what's called the labor of love. Every Junetal should have a labor of love, something bigger than themselves that they all are participating in. And then the one intention is that everyone simply agrees and commits that they will contribute. This is a critical expectational (laughs) agreement. They will contribute more to the group than they could ever possibly get back. I say that again. When every person, assuming, let's say there's 12, right, in in the Junto, when all 12 of them make that commitment, what it does is it opens the door where people aren't coming from a place of fear. They're going to steal my stuff. They're going to take advantage of me. None of that's going to happen. And the reason why is because they all have made this agreement and they're all accountable that all of them will give more than they could ever possibly get back. Now, what happens, Rochelle, when you have a group of 12 people doing that same thing? What happens to that group?
0: It's on fire.
1: It's almost unspeakable. The power that comes out of that group. Right. I go into more detail on that on things on our YouTube channel, on what we call the givers contest intention, how that works. Something my mentor did with me. C in discern is convene, convene on a regular basis, whether it's mm-hmm. weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, regular time, regular basis. So everyone knows upfront, right? Convene. That's the C E is established. Give it a name. Ben Franklin, leather apron club, Henry <laughs> Ford. Henry Ford named his millionaire Junto the Four Vagabonds. So give it, give your Junto a name, because when you do, it establishes it, makes it real, and there's a sense of camaraderie, right? The next is rotate. Every meeting should be a different chairperson of the group. It should never be the same person. Every meeting, different chairperson. Rotate. Ours rotate. And as for numbers, form multiple Juntos. Be a part of, not so that you can get more from these groups, but so that you can contribute more to them. Because of the benefits you're going to receive automatically as a result of that. So hitting those letters, decide, invite, seed, convene, establish, rotate, and numbers. Now, any of your listeners that wants to hear a more detailed explanation on any of those letters, go to the Givers University YouTube channel and look for. There's a playlist that's, that's right on top, how to build your own Givers community. And there's two-minute clips. And we're on episode, I think, 19 now. Now we're actually talking about the agenda what do you do during these meetings what do you <laughs> yeah. say you know I mean all of a sudden everyone just doesn't start nodding off halfway through you know so now we're talking about the agenda what's important to have in the agendas and why what parts should be structured and what parts should be informal so and we'll have a total of 21 two-minute clips that basically walk them through from the first clip of what is the difference in a giver and taker community step by step by step all the way through exactly how you form in two minute clips your giver's junto and what do you do once it's even formed and basically we're at clip 21 we'll have completed what we want to in those instances so it's an opportunity and we love to be able to share this because we know the value in surrounding ourselves with the right people exactly what you do rochelle as you help these people in coaching them
0: yeah wow that is awesome i don't think i've ever heard anybody break down how to truly build a community that will thrive over time. One of the areas that really stood out to me was creating one of the key elements. I don't know if you said they were pillars or elements. I forget what you called them, but it was the make sure that your group is contributing to something much bigger than the group in themselves, but on a worldwide scale.
1: Yes, you did catch it correctly. We call it the three pillars and the one intention. So the one pillar is our credo, the second is our pledge. The third is our labor of love. That's Those the are the three pillars. And then the tension is that everyone contributes more than they ever could expect to get back from the group. See? And then that stops people from holding back and, and it changes and shifts their mindset as to why they're a part of this thing and the power that can come out of it because it's now selfless it's a different place to come from it eliminates fear courage automatically comes to the forefront and the thrill that comes from it because they know man i can give to that guy and i can help this person i can help that person totally different set of rules and that paradigm shift is the glue that holds them all together and it's a critical part and to get the 25 dues which we want people Mm -hmm. to get for free you know which is the first step Even if they're not doing a Junto, your listeners can benefit. Print it off. It's free. Put it in your pocket. It's to help you discern in all of your relationships. It's a skill, an observation skill, an awareness. Who should I have close and who shouldn't I? Not on me being judging of the person, but by observing their deeds and what they're doing. Right. So here's what they do. So simple. Go to our website, giversuniversity.com, plural, giversuniversity.com. They'll see a place, sign up for our newsletter. We don't spam. So you'll immediately get something that says, do you want to talk with these people? If you don't answer that email and say yes, you'll get nothing else from us. It ends right there. So you have to say yes. When you say yes, two hours later, you're going to get the download of the 25 dudes. It's absolutely free. Print it off. Put it in your pocket. Share it with other people because with businesses opening and closing faster than ever before and products being antiquated overnight. Rochelle, what do we have left than our community and our relationships around us? We have to form those relationships and and we have to be discerning on them, right? And because they're going to impact us in so many ways that we don't even realize it when it's happening. So they will get then, once a week, every Thursday, we send out what's called the Giver's Toolbox. And basically, every week, we give a five-minute read, usually a little video clip-in. And it's another tool each person can add to their relationship toolbox to help them with their relationships. And that's every Thursday morning. for It's a five-minute read, and that's what we send out. From that, they learn about Givers University. We have online courses and things, et cetera. But, and go to our YouTube. The playlists are free, and they're highly Granular instructional. This is what you do. Every one of them are on there, and they're two-minute clips. So you know, go, take one or two a day, and just go through them if you will. So, join the email list because we have to walk our talk too. And I'm repaying a vow, and I will for the rest of my life, of how my mentor blessed me. And so, I look forward to being able to share all this stuff. And if someone in your listeners have someone being a little takerish, they should actually forward your podcast to that person because it's a great way to maybe open their mind and start a what could have been a sensitive conversation because you see they're being takerish you know someone needs to talk to them but you don't want to do it because you love them something like this can open their minds because there's a built-in self-assessment with all of it and that's where they really benefit so Rochelle I love your podcast and thank you for so much being able to share with others. And I love what you do. I look forward to being able to talk with you in the future because I think there's some things we could do with Givers University because what you do for a living is in the heart of what we're teaching and we love to collaborate with you.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. And before we go, I mean, we've talked about there's some so many great nuggets that we could take this conversation, but I really love that you talked about the different famous Junto's that exist out there. You touched on presidents, some automobile mogul, right? But what about like, I'm not saying regular shmegular folks like me, but yes, just tell us about some of the incredible things that some Juntos that you've seen created through Givers University. Like, what are some of the things that they are creating in the world and sharing with others? Just give us a
1: couple. The impact of the stories is almost endless. We even have people in HR that are using our 25 Dues privately. I mean, they're not—you know—they're not putting it in the file or anything. But to help them with their assessment, because it helps them think in a different way to not listen. You know, they have all these tests. Write this down and put all these answers. Well, you know, and it's like the person who on the left side says they have all these great qualities, and there's only one thing on the right side they need to work on, and that's honesty. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like okay. (laughs) So you know, the 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 juntos of businesses that have literally doubled and tripled. Because of them wanting to help each other. We actually have, it's interesting, this is a side note, the episode that we just did this week on YouTube, which I think is episode 19, but it's the second part. Having the agenda, we break that down into four parts. The first one is should you have an informal, formal agenda and why? And the second part are the nine roundtable questions. The nine roundtable questions that should be asked at a Junto. And then underneath that in the description in the YouTube, it goes through what we call conversation starters. These questions are the critical parts that help the engagement of everyone in the meeting that everyone participates in that helps their businesses. In many instances, we've seen instances where businesses have literally tripled because of it is true. That were six handshakes away from the rest of the world. And there are people when people are willing to give and they know that the people that you may introduce them to or may share with them or how they can help you, when you're not coming from a place of fear, like this one lady one time at an event I was at, she was a speaker and she said, You know, I don't give away all my stuff because I don't want people to steal it. (laughs) And I said, Let me tell you something. I said, You're not going to like what I'd say next, but (laughs) I'm honor bound to say what it is. If you're worried about people taking your stuff, you don't have enough stuff you need more stuff. <laughs> I said, because that, that well should never go dry. And if yours is going dry, you need to do a change about that. She never talked to me again, but anyway, so that happens, you know, they, it's okay. I said my part, I'm on, I, I lived, I did the right thing. So I, I can share with you the influences of having a confidential group that sometimes you can even share things about your social life. You know, the people that we're discerning in our social life, because they will impact us. Even family members, you know, I've got this, I've got this family member who does this, this uncle or this aunt and put it in the group and get that feedback from everyone who is all of the same mindset. I'm going to give more to the Junto than I could ever possibly ever, ever get back. And that feedback from people who have done it, people who from other backgrounds, you could think of a 12 person advisory board that can give you this incredible experience and feedback from Perspectives. There's a reason the coach, there's a reason the Rochelle's of the world who do great efforts and works. The reason you're on the sideline is you're the coach, right? You can see both teams. (laughs) <laughs> the quarterback can't do that. He's sitting in the back and all he sees is, you know, three 300 pound guys in front of him. That's all he gets to see, you know, and, and in business, a lot of times it's the same way. But when there's someone like you, Rochelle, who's on the sidelines, who can say, hey, you know what? Do you see that player over there? Do that move? And do you see that over there? Let me show you. That's all there. And you can whisper in the microphone in his ear and give that quarterback a little extra information they didn't have before. That's why your role as a mentor is so important, Rochelle, in other people's lives. There's very few things that we'll do in our life than to have the right people around us and how they will influence us spiritually, mentally, morally, monetarily, physically, on and on. And so you're doing just a great, valuable service, Rochelle. Thank you for that.
0: Thank you. EA, you are a rock star. This podcast episode was way more than I expected. I've learned so much and I really cannot wait to share all of your knowledge and your nuggets that you dropped throughout this, the show with the listeners. Is there anything else that you'd love to share before we go?
1: The three things that my mentor talked me into 40 years ago to say to myself every day. He said, you know, you're going to get tackled a thousand times. Get ready for it. He says, it's going to happen. And if you're going to be successful and prosperous, get ready for it. He said, but these three phrases will help you as fortunes come and go in your life. As you get tackled and stand back up again. He said, say these three things to yourself every day over and over again. And for 40 years plus, I have done just that. And I can share with you unequivocally, inarguably. In fact, I'm pretty sure it really, really works. And these are the three phrases I pray your listeners write these down and they start saying them to themselves. And they are this. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome.
0: Awesome. EA, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your knowledge with the Allergic to Small Talk community. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And as we say at Givers University, don't just have a good day. Have your best day ever.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Allergic to Small Talk is a production of Cut Class, a place where you can access me, Rochelle Gro, and Leslie Levito. We teach the world how to start and grow businesses without a formal classroom. Executively produced by me, Rochelle Gro, and Cut Class. Creative direction by Sho Kazanjian. Audio editor and producer, Tom Mikiok, And music is by Fami Kaira. If you'd like to access more free resources, check out our sister podcast, Out to launch. Hosted by Cut Classes co-founder, Leslie Levito. She teaches people how to ditch their 9 to 5 to start their own business. See ya!